Hey folks, episode number 41. Um, I got spoiled by the WrestleMania episode. I want there to be more pomp and circumstance now, right? I, yeah, more pomp and circumstance, more yelling and screaming, of course. I, Plenty of yelling and screaming. Not as much yelling and screaming on this episode. Back traditional, traditional style, episode number 41. We have an interview with the fascinating Rick Short, who I initially knew only from the Twitter world and only like uh, casually, but really, really interesting, enlightening guy. I had a fantastic conversation when we went about 20 minutes so uh we'll share that with you all that and more coming up say hey it snowed everyone's upset about the snow you know i don't think we were planning on talking about it when we were doing you were giving me the rundown of what we're doing on the show this week but i like i didn't know the snow was coming so i woke up yesterday morning and i was just you know getting ready to do my morning thing you know putter around the house a little bit early and i glanced out the window and i thought i was like how long did i sleep is it yeah. november well, i had no idea we both came we were like both terrible home. april fool's joke we were both home on saturday night really early for whatever reason we went to watch the syracuse game uh shout out to the syracuse men's uh basketball team great run in the ncaa tournament worthy of a golf clap i would say at least for me that's true uh, they were defeated on friday night uh we were out of nail so i came home pretty early and went to bed relatively early so when i woke up that morning to go get breakfast it went out and my car was covered in seven feet of snow i really did think that i woke up in the past <laughs> i thought that somehow i had like reverted back to an earlier time frame i suppose it's better to wake up in the past than wake up in the future and have missed time that's fair not to know what you've back. been up to yeah. for six months yeah you get to go back and try again <laughs> yes yeah, do it again uh this is this whole snow is just an elaborate excuse for me to continue skipping my boilermaker training it's like, I can't run today. It's snowing out. I don't know what to tell you. I guess I'll just eat a bag <laughs> of chips. Um, so the Syracuse men, they, they were defeated. Uh, but the Syracuse women continue unabated. Running on. Well, I guess to by the time we listen, the show comes out, uh, it, the game will be on Tuesday. So it'll be as the day the show comes out. Yeah, so like when, when people are listening to this on Tuesday, so now we say tonight. like, tonight, yeah, the tonight, game. The women are going to do what the men couldn't. They're going to take it home, and they're going to crush UConn. Doesn't matter that UConn hasn't lost in 73 straight games, aka like three years. <laughs> it feels like 73 straight years that it does UConn feel like women haven't lost in. You know, and it's funny because I feel like the uh, the SU women kind of got overlooked because the SU men probably shouldn't have made it as far as they did, and it was such a big deal, right? Um, I, and I got to say, one thing I really appreciated about Syracuse during this whole run is there were a lot of signs, and I don't know if this is like a Syracuse Orangemen's fans thing, but like a lot of the signs I saw was just like people holding up signs that said. They don't want us to win, which is one of the best things I've ever seen. I want that to be our new slogan, like the Uticast, they don't want you to listen. Like, that's our new slogan. I, I uh, think we can do that. That's a pretty good that? idea. Yeah, yeah. They don't want you to listen. Get some t-shirts made. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Uh, but yeah, Syracuse did sort of get overshadowed, at least for you and me, by WrestleMania weekend. Uh, for those of you who sat through midweeks... WrestleMania special podcast. I would podcast. be shocked to know how many people listen to the Mania special episode um, of the podcast. This is not a a, a a totally accurate estimate in terms of numbers, uh, but this is where we are. I believe we are at 64 
64, 64 listens, on, listens SoundCloud. on SoundCloud. And you assume maybe some more on iTunes? That's about right. I don't know. I If you survived through the WrestleMania podcast, thanks, folks. I appreciate it. Shout out to anyone who listened to it didn't knowing it was going to be a wrestling podcast. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> oh, the guys put out a special episode. Oh, wait, look. Yeah. No what wonder if, we're down 80% this week. What did you think of WrestleMania? Uh, it was... I had a fun time. It's all... You know what the thing is? Like, it could have gone better. It could have been better. It always could be. But it was nice. You know, we had... A ton of friends hanging out, everybody in the room, lots of good food, everybody yelling and screaming and having fun, and that's sort of, like, what counts. Uh, it's there for pure entertainment. I was entertained. WrestleMania is much more of a... It's more of a, like a gathering type situation. There were so many people here last night, surprisingly, that it almost didn't matter what was on TV, right? Like, we were it's watching true. it, but, like, we could have been watching anything at that point in time. It's true. It was It was entertaining. Uh, I won't go too far into it for all the non-wrestling fans out there, but uh, I thought it was not the worst way to spend six hours of my day. Can we talk oh, about that, though? it was super Holy long. Lord. Oh, I got like got up at one point, came, but it's like still on. Like, it just doesn't, it would not, would not this, end. This is a symptom of the greater sports world, too. Like, this is not just WrestleMania. Like, Super Bowl coverage starts at, like, noon on Super Bowl Sunday. Like, I get it, guys were excited, but there's only so much. We, by the time we got to the end of WrestleMania... I, I couldn't even leave wrestling on TV anymore. I had to turn it off. I was like, I can't look at this anymore. My It's burned into my brain now. Now you know how everybody else feels, I guess, all the I listeners. I know, all the time, constantly. <laughs> uh, so, Erin will be here in a couple minutes. She will. So, I know, she's back this week. I love it. Uh, anything you want to say before we get into the show proper? Um, no, I have nothing. I say we dive right in, let's get Higgins in here and see what she's got to say. All right, we'll be back in just a moment, folks. here. Snoop Dogg. She's delightfully glum today. You seem very glum. I'm so tired all the time. Is it because of the weather? It's not helping. <laughs> it's definitely not helping when I had to brush off my car again. I had all these beautiful spring outfits planned. It's my birthday this week. So I had all these great little spring outfits planned from a birthday week. And now I'm like back in my dirty old Uggs and my my knee, my like ankle length puffy jacket. You know, no one can see you on the podcast. You don't have to tell people that you're wearing. You could tell people right now you're wearing like an evening gown. I have on a Vera Wang evening gown. <laughs> it's like very Jimmy Choo's. It's it, puffy though. It's like a puffy down jacket, but it's not. It's kind of like that dress that J Lo wore that one time. It's very revealing. Very revealing. Every... Wickedly cold in this weather. Um. So guys, uh, I guess. I guess we should uh, get into some stories that we've we've talked about a lot on the show, but we actually had a little bit of resolution on two very hot button topics we talk about on the show all the time. So let's How exciting. I know resolution. We're resolving issues, guys. I'd like to think that they couldn't resolve these issues without us. I would our like expert analysis. Yeah, I think we were certainly no chance that hospital goes in without the Uticast. Exactly. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> exactly. 
I actually heard they're naming a wing after the Uticast. Ooh, it's yeah. the psychiatric wing. Yeah, no, that's not the point. It's, it's like where you wing. get cast. <laughs> <It's not laughs> <laughs> Very good. So Hi, oh. Um, adorable. Yeah, yeah. So last Thursday, uh, it was announced that we will indeed be getting a downtown hospital, a golf clap downtown hospital. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, uh, it will be here by 2022 is the estimated oh, time frame. Not like next Monday. Well, you know it what? It's a little longer. I don't care about that. I want my hospital. <laughs> As somebody who frequents the medical world, I want that hospital now. You got to think too. Like I'm just thinking about. Like, I, as I mentioned, you know, I we've sort of championed that we wanted the hospital downtown on the yeah, show in the past. I am now thinking about the massive undertaking it's going to be in terms of actually making that. Oh yeah, happen. it's it's, it's a be... huge, huge. I mean, that's why when they named the date when it's going to be done. Not really surprised by that date. Like no. it takes a long time to even plan and go out there and like survey the land and all this different stuff, and then relocate businesses. You have a lot of demolition to do before you can even start building. I mean, the arterial project started in 1964, and look where we are now. So mm. imagine how long it's going to take for this to start. The arterial is starting to look actually quite nice, though. It's beautiful. Now that I'm, mm-hmm. it's real nice to drive over now. It's really nice. Uh, yeah. So the hospital that was. That one kind of snuck up on me. Like I had been sort of looking for information about it last couple weeks. I've been searching for it on Twitter. Um, and then when it actually happened, I was like, oh, what do you know? It's It happened. It kind of snuck up under the radar for me. But I'm is. glad it happened. Uh, bye-bye to that stretch of Utica that I think needs to get bulldozed anyway, oh. finally. It's a hard... It's um, It's... Like, coming out of the Utica Odd and all of that coolness that is the Utica Odd, and, like, right in that stretch close to it is is what we're talking about, right? Yeah, yes. it's basically Oriskany, it Columbia Street. Mm, yeah, but there's another street there that it's going to... State Street? State, Columbia. No, there's, a, there's a lot of streets over there's there. There's another one that, that I'm thinking of, and it's like, every time I go up it, I just cringe. Yeah, we, we've talked... I can't think of We talk called. a lot about how that's... This is a great way to take care of what... What is a lot of work otherwise if you were just building individual places, right? Yeah, I mean, agreed. One fell swoop. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so let's move on then to the other. This is the other story. That, that we helped solve. That we did help solve. This is more of a national story. It was in the news today. Uh, New York and California, respectively, today signed their $15 minimum wage bills into law, making them the first states in the nation to do so. Uh, yes, golf clap for, for minimum wage. Uh, President Obama came out, was tweeting about it today. Uh, Bernie was also in support of it. The burn. Feel it. Hillary also in support, although from what, I, from what I've heard, she wasn't always in support of it, but she seems to be now. Take that for what you will. <laughs> um, Listen, you know what's going to happen is that you, we all love Bernie Sanders. We all love the, the thing that Bernie Sanders is doing. And Hillary's been doing a lot of it lately where she sort of... Uh, piggybacks Bernie's things now to seem to you know gain popularity or whatever that's fine by me because she's gonna get elected over Bernie anyway so let's just say how great it is that she's now a champion of the things that Bernie Sanders likes it's it's a smart political move it's a very smart political move Uh, I just don't know if it's gonna work uh here's a quick quote though actually this is a quote from the uh the governor of California Jerry Brown um, downtown Jerry Brown, downtown. great name what? for the governor of yeah. a huge state. Well, when you follow up the governor, you sort of have to have a great name. Yeah, Jerry Brown, he said, uh, this is about economic justice was his quote. Um, here it is. Uh, economically, minimum wage uh, minimum wages may not make sense, but morally, socially, and politically, they make every sense because it binds the community together to make sure parents can take care of their kids. Uh, which is an interesting quote, I actually, because he's... There's what a he's, lot of words in there. Well, what he's basically implying is 
he doesn't exactly know what yeah. the downsides of this will be, but he feels like it's the right thing to do. So they're just rolling with it, which I kind of respect, but it also seems kind of precarious, precarious yeah. right? Like, um, and it's a very political answer. But again, we've talked about this. We all we we all seem to be in support of this. One hundred percent. Is this an end point or a beginning point? End for end point meaning what? Like now, so now these two states sign it in, right? So now you assume that you're going to see a push for other states to push this in. But like, I wonder. You give it a couple of years and you watch these two states work out the kinks. Because for as much as we can support this, you know, I've, we've gone in at, in length on this show about this topic and. You know, for as much as I support something like a $15 minimum wage, if you work at a company like a McDonald's, a Walmart, one of these giant companies that's making piles of money that can absolutely afford it, I fully support it. But I think there is a, there are a lot of valid arguments to be made from smaller business owners, farmers, and stuff like that. And I think there has to be some sort of a barometer or cutoff line you put in there. And so I think after New York and California do it for a while, they're going to work out a lot of the kinks, and then you might see a more finessed plan adopted I on a national totally level. I totally agree with you. I mean, as California and New York do in the United States, generally the rest of the country follows. So it makes sense that it would be these two first with, you know, huge population centers and all this different stuff like that right. to see how it goes and sort of test it out for the rest of the nation before you go tell some mom-and-pop farm in Kentucky that employs three people that they have to start paying them more and can't pay them in corn feed or whatever goes on down there. <laughs> Flyover <laughs> states. Flyover states. <laughs> um... Again, it, it, the general point that I've always had with this is it just seems like it's kind of like the minimum wage raise is kind of late, right? Like $15. Oh, yeah. That's, like, that's that's one of the big things that should have been raised a long time ago. Right? We we're looking at the fact that last time minimum, I mean, as far as I know, last time minimum wage was raised, it went to 9 So we're, t I mean, like in some, right? It was 9 was the last raise. Yeah. yeah. So now we're talking about. I mean, it went from like seven something to eight something to nine. It was moving incrementally, and now it's like a, a relatively larger jump, relatively. But it's a big enough jump where people are like, oh, wait, this is what should have been happening 10 years ago. It's a big jump relatively because you're catching up to 10 years of falling exactly. behind. And I We're think that's what it comes down runaway to. Runaway yeah. cost of living, probably long, probably almost 20 years of cost oh, yeah. of living far outpacing bumps up in the minimum wage. Yeah, exactly. and, and for as happy as this makes me for all the people out there who are struggling in minimum wage positions, and this means a lot to them, it does make you wonder how long before we recycle this whole system again and we're having this conversation, $15 is too low, This needs we need to be making $20 minimum wage an hour, right? Well, I mean, to think the fact that it gets moved, so, I mean, since I've been in my job, the minimum wage has moved at least three times. Mm. So at the pace at which it's moving, now we make the jump, what? Now we're going to wait another two years before we have this discussion again? I don't think so. I think people are going to realize that we're still not making enough money, that this $15 jump is still not enough. I don't. I think there's a generational issue to this, though, because a lot of my older relatives are not hiked, are not hyped about this $15 like my price range. It's My stepdad yeah. specifically talks about it all the time. He's like, you know, it's not for nothing. I just feel like I have two college degrees, right? Like, But it's a yeah. different time, though. Yeah, like, see, that's... Okay, wait a minute. No, because before we started taping this part, the three of us were sitting yeah. here, and we were talking before we pressed play, and we were talking about student loan debt obligations yeah. and how, like, there's a fair chance that, you know, sometimes we may be in debt for life, and that's a lot of people in our generation. Better to fair chance. That's the sure. issue that these... that the, the generational divide that, you know, older folks have a tough time understanding, 
they don't realize, I mean, they might, like, you know, academically understand it at, like, an abstract level, but they don't realize what it's like to graduate from college and come out with crushing, crushing student loan debt. You start your life $50,000 behind the eight ball, and I'm sorry, but nine bucks isn't going to cut it. Mm, And then on top of it, you have to have, uh, I'm starting my life, I mean, with a a dual master's degree, $75,000 in the hole. So my dual master's degree, I say that, I say, oh, look how fancy I am. These are all the fancy jobs I can do, but I'm still only making so much money, and I'm still living like I didn't have them. You know what I mean? I'm living in a place where it's almost like if I didn't have better off bartending for the last ten years. Exactly. And you're and not for nothing. You're a teacher. You're in education. Yeah. You're doing a really really important job for our society moving forward. Really though. No. Yeah. No, I know. I'm I'm fooling. But yeah, I know. Look at the position that you know you've been put in. You're not alone. I feel like every teacher I know is in this same boat. I know people that shied away from teaching because of this problem. Uh, Our guest for the show today, uh, Rick Short, actually, uh, he works. Uh, for the Young Scholars Program at Proctor. Yes, and it does. We act, I'm glad we got in this discussion because me and him actually have this same discussion in the interview because I mentioned that my mom, you know, was a first grade teacher for 45 years. And it's just, it's such an important job and it's so undervalued when you really think about what it what, what you're offering. My mom was a first grade teacher. Her, her basic general job is teach the next generation of our, like, our, our people how to read and write. And, you know, it's just... How is that job not worth a, a bump up in salary? Like, how is that not considered my important graduate, enough? The, oddly enough, one of my graduate thesis papers was on uh, the public uh, perception of educators and how, how the public perception of educators versus the job that they actually do and how, you know, it's, it's, a, it's pretty intricate and, like, esoteric, but it's all of that stuff. It was all of that stuff. So yeah. how we don't make enough money and how we're looked at like glorified babysitters nine times out of ten. <sighs> Well, uh, we got anything else we want to talk about minimum wage, guys? No. No. I'm sure we'll, we'll this will get brought up at some point in time again, but for now, I think that's probably all the coverage we need to do on this. I'm yeah. glad that I'm glad that New York passed it. Um, Woohoo! I'm glad that we move on. I just don't think that this is the last time we'll hear about this in the next upcoming like five six years. Just saying. Five six months maybe. Um, so let's move on to something that's going to be a much bigger story coming on in the next couple of weeks, and that is the Panama Papers. Uh, oh. Aaron, I brought this up to you, and you were unfamiliar with this concept, yes? I well, I spent my whole day in the kindergarten classroom. Yeah, yeah. So I missed all of the great, amazing things that happened in the world because I was too busy doing stuff like tying shoes and learning, you know, number bonds, which is also very important, but I didn't very have time important. to check the, the world news. <laughs> I missed those things today. All right, well, let me give you a quick rundown. Um, I'm getting this information uh, from Vice News, but if you go to any major news uh, news outlet today, this is pretty big coverage. It's all over. Did they time. finally put it in American news? Because they weren't, American news outlets weren't covering it. Really? Yesterday, when it, yeah, that's one of the... That's, I feel like I saw some, I feel like I saw Gawker talking that was, about it that today. That maybe Gawker, but like, I mean like real news outlets, like those people were Yahoo just put it up an hour ago. That was one of the big yeah. parts of the story when it was released yesterday is that well, it was Well, because, wasn't, I'm sorry, keep going. I, let, let him explain what it is, because yeah. I doubt... Uh, right, for, for those who, um, again, this is from Vice News, so if you want to read up more about it, I got most of this information from Vice. Um, basically, the uh, Panama Papers refer to an enormous trove of confidential documents from a notorious Panamanian law firm called Mossack Fonseca, which is a great name, by the way. I love that name. Uh, it was made public on Sunday, exposing a vast web of offshore uh, shell companies used by members of the global elite to evade taxes, hoard money, and skirt economic sanctions. 
this is a huge leak with more than 11.5 million documents, and it implicates 72 current and former heads of state. This is going to be a huge scandal. <laughs> Somewhere Edward Snowden is just drooling. On Twitter. He's, he's this is drooling. funny. It's one of those things. It's like, hey, you know that thing you always kind of knew these guys were doing? Yeah. Mm. Well, here's some papers. They're definitely doing Blah. it. Mm. And uh, this refers a lot to like offshore holding companies, really, is what's going on. And I don't, I didn't know a lot about this, so I was glad I read a lot of this Vice article. So generally speaking, this is from the article as well. Generally speaking, owning an offshore company is not illegal in itself. In fact, establishing offshore companies can be seen as logical steps for a broad range of business transactions. However, a look through these Panama papers very quickly reveals that concealing the identities of the true company owners was the primary aim in the vast majority of these cases. That is scary. Uh, yeah, Putin, uh, Vladimir Putin is the big hot name that's on all these paperwork, uh, paper, but I saw I saw Messi, Lionel Messi, famous soccer player. <laughs> and it's funny, like, going through He's some... He's already getting investigated for tax evasion in Spain, yeah, too. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he's such a handsome guy, though. How, how can you get mad at him? <laughs> uh, Handsome people and pretty people don't have to pay their taxes. I don't know if you were aware of that or not. Mm. In Spain. Uh, what was the one I was looking for here? Okay, so, yeah. So, this is the one they were talking about, Vladimir Putin. Uh, the leak exposed uh, the use of offshore companies by a number of high-level Russian government officials, including many in Russian President Vladimir, Cir uh, Vladimir Putin's inner circle. Uh, a Guardian analysis of the documents found a tangled web of offshore debts and loans collectively worth about $2 billion. And that's all led back to Vladimir Putin. Two billion dollars. Two billion. Two billion dollars. Uh, that's that's horrifying to me. Horrifying. That's a lot. You know what the crazy thing about this is? And something I was reading yesterday when all this news was kind of breaking. Somebody made the good point of you know number one, a lot of people will probably get away with this because it's tough to get in trouble for anything if you're rich in the world today. Very true. But yeah. also, a lot of these people are at such a high level. Who holds them accountable? Who watches the Watchmen? Checks and like, balances. There's not, but I mean, it's even, it's beyond, like, when it's multinational and global like this, there is no global yeah, ruling no. government to, like, you know, to, to put these people into court and, like, what you do with them. And it's just, it's a really strange, unprecedented situation that'll probably be the biggest proof of the, you know, largest corruption scandal in the history of the planet as a whole, which is a crazy... Sounds hyperbolic thing to say, but that's... It's, it's, it, it's not, though. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's going to be wow. a big deal. Um, there's not a whole bunch that's been out on this story. Uh, if you guys want to learn more about it, it's going to be all over the news for the next couple of weeks. I can't so. wait to watch this unfold. Yeah, this is going to be... I'm actually... Me and Kevin are talking about this. So I, I'm kind of waiting for John Oliver to, to throw something yeah, about on, get this. on this. Is, I would, oh, that's what I forgot to wear today. My McDonald Drumpf again hat. Uh, <laughs> for anybody who wants to learn more, too, if you guys want to look at the news, um, I would suggest going outside the realm of, like, you know, your CNNs, your Fox News, your MSNBC. Yes. New York Times, that type of stuff, you're not really going to see the coverage. If you want to reach a little more outside sources or international sources, I would go to check BBC. Uh, uh, Vice News is always good. The Guardian's always good. Yeah. But just try to get a wider range of where you get your news from because different yeah. people are telling their story from different angles yeah. for reasons. Uh, yeah, so just a story that you might want to be aware of. Just, just keep your eye. Just something you might want to think about. That's um, the scariest thing is like they might be able to just pass this thing yeah. by and have nobody yeah. remember. It's it. not like, a sexy. The news scandal. cycle. The news cycle moves fast. It <laughs> is a sexy scandal if you imagine that Putin was giving this money or you know sending money to this offshore account while he was riding a horse without his shirt on. It's just about your weird sex thoughts about Putin. <laughs> <laughs> while while Lionel Messi ran around while kicking Lionel a Messi soccer ran ball. Around him. Um, oh, that's right. That, that was the attractive member of the scandal. I'm so sorry. Oh, well, look, I don't know if you've ever seen Lionel Messi. He looks like Liam Neeson. He's not a great-looking oh, guy. He's I very stand with Putin. He's craggly. Um, let's move on. He's 
Crandall. You just said I stand with Putin. You're on a I'm, list now. I know. <laughs> Let's move on to this week's interview. Um, uh, I sat down uh, with Rick Short uh, for about 20 minutes today after he finished speaking at a uh, MVCC, uh, MVCCC event. It was called the Positive Buzz Seminar. It was set up by the Student Affairs Department. I met up with him for about 20 minutes afterwards. Uh, Rick's a fascinating guy. He has a really, really... Uh, Really, really interesting uh, way of speaking and talking, and his—he uh, actually reminds me a lot of you, Kevin. You're—you're you're one of those kind of people who, when someone gives you, um, get, someone tells you something, you always ask for more reasons why. Like if someone says, "I don't like this sandwich," you don't go, you don't go, okay. You want to know why they don't like that sandwich, right? You want—you right. want them to tell you a reason why. You want a real and, and Rick's. Very much along those that, same lines. I take that as a compliment. You should. Because uh, Mr. Short, is a, he's a really nice dude. Him and his wife have always been very kind to me. You know, yeah. whole family, really nice people and really smart guy. And so that's, very, I very take smart that kindly. Uh, so rocks. Yeah, we had a nice conversation about, uh, about Utica Rocks, about uh, Indium, about <laughs> his music career. Um, so let's go to his interview and we'll come back in just a moment. And I am here with Rick Short. Um, and Rick, it's a real pleasure. Uh, if you want to give a real quick uh, synopsis of who you are for our listeners very quickly. Okay, I'm the Director of Marketing Communications at the Indium Corporation, where I've worked for over 32 years. Mm. I am a, um, actively involved in um, civic affairs. I work very much with mentoring, specifically through the Young Scholars Program at Utica College in Proctor. Oh, uh, I'm a local artist, a musician, I'm a songwriter, I, I'm a band leader, I've just recently published two CDs, and I'm starting work on a third. You're a renaissance man. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff, man. That's uh... I'm very curious, and, and I have a lot of energy, so I, I, I put it to good use. That's, that's fascinating to me, because I, uh, I sometimes, I feel overwhelmed sometimes, and just hearing all the things you just listed seems, mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine how you would how you'd have a moment to relax. Well, it's all about project management. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, uh, there's one thing that's very important to understand. That, uh, you'll often hear people say, I didn't have enough time, or time got away from me. Where do you find the time to do that? Mm. It's just never about the time. Time is really the only finite resource that exists in the universe. Mm. You always know how much time you have and when you're going to have it. Yeah. Seven years from now, do you, can you tell me uh, how many boats you're going to own? <laughs> no, I How much not. money you're going to have? You don't know any of that. But seven years from now, between 2 p.m. and 3 p.m., you know exactly how many minutes you're going to have. Mm. So we have to really focus on project management and, and priorities, and that's how you get a lot of things done. And that's a fascinating perspective, actually, because it's, uh, it's really something that you don't hear every day, and I like the way that sounds, because it really, you know... It's very easy to make excuses in today's day and age, and I, I, I think a lot of my generation falls into that trap sometimes. It's a train wreck when, you're, when your excuses all have to do with something that you have no control over, like time. Yeah. You're never going to fix it if you keep trying to fix time. Mm. The only way you can fix getting a lot of stuff done and being successful and productive is to fix your project management, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's the only variable you can contr- that you can control. Uh, was that the topic of your discussion today? Because we are here at uh, MVCC, and you were uh, kind enough to grant us some time after your panel discussion today for the Positive Buzz Seminar set up by the Student Affairs Department. Right. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a great opportunity because, you know, frankly speaking, when you go to McDonald's and, and, you, don't, and you find the napkin dispenser empty, mm-hmm. 
you don't call the CEO of McDonald's because there's very <laughs> it's very highly unlikely he's going to have any effect on that whatsoever. That's very it's true. The, it's the 16 or 18 year old dude behind the counter that really controls that mm. and how clean the counter is and if there's a floor mopped and everything. Um, it's the same thing here with the college. Uh, I happen to be the president of the foundation board at MVCC. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very friendly and close with, with uh, Dr. Randy Van Wagner, the head of MVCC. He's a wonderful man. He sure is. But I don't go to him on specific matters. Right. Especially when it comes to influencing students at MVCC or potential students at MVCC. Today, the student affairs division was the audience. These are the people that have hands-on touching the students talking to them every day, mm-hmm. communicating, advising, coaching, or even demonstrating through their actions what should be done and how you should go about doing it. These are the real front lines. Mm. So it's a tremendous opportunity to address these people. Mm. Um, now, that's fascinating to me as well because, honestly, I, uh, I do think that we, uh, and again, I don't like to keep tying it into you know, a generational difference, but I do feel like... Uh, my generation doesn't communicate well in person anymore. There's yeah. a lot of interpersonal uh, disconnect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and by reaching out to someone on a level that's a personal level like mm-hmm. that, like, you know, why would I reach out to the to the dean when the person who I need to help me is this person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's another... I like everything you're talking about here. I got to tell you, I'm very... I feel like I should have missed, missed the panel discussion. I should stop I, talking right now, then. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Um, so let me ask you uh, a little bit about yourself. Now, you are very uh, locally positive. I've seen it on Twitter. And I have to say, uh, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, I find it fascinating how easily you uh, streamlined into Twitter. I know you're, you're probably in my parents' age range, I would say. And I don't, I'm 56. Yes, yeah, so you're right in my parents'. My parents are flabbergasted by technology, by the way, like mm. Twitter works or mm. Instagram or something like that. But you, you seem to have jumped right in, and it's been a, that, I knew you primarily from Twitter before I knew anything about you as a person. Right. So it's, I think it's fascinating that you've uh, taken this, this new medium and, and grown with it, whereas a lot of people don't, uh, don't tend to evolve with the new mediums. Uh, let's break that down. Let's unpack that. Sure. Why is it fascinating? Am I mentally incapacitated? Am I physically... Unable? No, I find you an outlier to most of the uh, people in your age range Do, who I'm you aware say, of. You say, okay, so you're saying just in practice. In practice. But why would they... Why? Why? I don't get that. I don't know. I it, wonder sometimes what, if... Why, okay, let's put it, let's put it in hmm. simple terms. A lot, of, a lot of older people don't do it. Right, but I think why oh, is that? because they don't apply themselves. Is it because you applied yourself to? Did you have a moment where you're like, I need to take advantage of this new upcoming medium if I want to get my word out? Roughly, that's right. Um, mm. um, I'm dedicating my life to um, getting as much as I can, learning as much as I can, getting as much power and mm. capability as I can so that I can give it away to, to other people mm-hmm. and help spread this. Um, I'm at a point in my life where I don't really want any more of anything. Sure. I'm all set. And uh, so it, what, what a shame it would be to just uh, you know, disappear over the hill into mm. the sunset. Exactly. Uh, and let everything I've learned and all the network I've, I, I've built just, just go to waste. So um, for, for a long, long time, my, my whole goal is how can I give away everything that I've ever learned or gained or, so that other people can, can benefit? And when somebody 20 years ago says, wow, this, this, this form of communication is coming, um, this is going to be extremely powerful. That you're going to be able to reach mm-hmm. lots of people. Why would I turn my back to that? No, and I, I agree with you. I think that's so. I so think maybe that's it's great. not not age or anything. Maybe it's just some people don't have a, a reason to use it. Right. I just you know I, I think it was. It's just funny to me because m- most of the people and even my like my sisters who are five ten years older than me, 
they just chose not to embrace mm -hmm. these new technological mm -hmm. mediums. They're just like, nah, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested. I'm not they interested. Don't, they, don't yeah. have a, they don't have a goal for it. Yeah, I guess that's... I, that's what I'm trying... You know, see, I don't ever just approach something and say, oh, look, I just see this situation. Isn't mm -hmm. it interesting? I always try to break it down and but try that's... to get to the root of it so I can learn something and maybe leverage what I've mm -hmm. learned. And that's what I'm trying to do now. And I, I guess what maybe what, what we're both saying is that if a person has a reason to do anything, they'll, they'll climb walls and swim rivers to, to, to get to that thing. And well, if you don't have a use, you don't care. Well, it's motivation, too. You have to have that drive in you. And I don't know if that's something that everybody always inherently has. And it's harder for some people to get that motivation up or get that drive going. But I think right. everyone does have it. I just don't know if everyone knows how to... Uh, some people don't have the resources or the opportunities. Hmm. And you know, a lot of times when a technology um, explodes... If you don't learn it right along, it's hard to jump in in, in the mm -hmm. middle unless it gets very mature. Then when it's real simple, mm -hmm. then it's easy to get back on. But in the, there's an awkward middle period, which we're probably getting out of right now when it comes to social media. Because, um, you know, just like anything, like using a computer, mm -hmm. the, the first computers were really hard to use, and they got even harder and wilder and weirder. Oh, yeah. Then the variety went, went mm -hmm. wild, so it was even harder to kind of figure yeah. out where do you jump in. But now computers are, are so user-friendly. Mm -hmm. And I think the Internet's kind of become that way now, too. Mm -hmm. So I think in the future you'll see a lot more old people using the Internet. Or, and I, excuse me, social media. Yeah. Well, I hope it's not totally off-base, but I still feel like the technological boom that we've had is still very early in its infancy. It all oh, happened yes. very quickly, so it seems like so much has happened. But in reality, it's probably only been about 15 years since most of this was really right, right. presented to us, and it probably still isn't in the stages where it's at its most efficient state, I would imagine, either. Totally but, true. Yeah. We're the earliest of days. Yeah. Interesting. Now, you said you were at, uh, at Indium for 32 years, which I so congratulations. Far, yeah. <laughs> uh, and... I don't mean this to be uh, flippant. Like one of the things I always knew about Indium is that they have a phenomenal logo. I think they have one of the best looking corporate logos in uh, in the entire region. But I think that speaks to a bigger point: is that mm -hmm. I don't know if most of the general public actually understands what Indium does mm -hmm. as a corporation. Indium was founded in Utica in a garage in 1934 by a chemical engineer, um, a very curious, uh, hardworking, diligent, focused man. Um, much of his personality uh, is is still alive in, in our company even to this day. Um, we are basically a collection of materials scientists that applies our knowledge and expertise with, with materials and mm -hmm. their applications to real-world situations. So, for example, um, we make materials that are used to build the smartphones or right. laptops or, or Fitbits or watches or whatever. Um, pacemakers inside of people's bodies, um, life support units in, in, uh, in fighter jets. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been uh, on the space shuttle. We're currently mm -hmm. on Mars. So all sorts of electronics, yeah. primarily but not exclusively electronics devices, are made using uh, some form of the materials we make. Mm -hmm. The way I like to describe it is um, we've all heard the phrase Intel inside. Right. We're inside Intel. Interesting. Now, why do you think... Now, a lot of the nano talk goes a lot in this... It's going a lot around in the region lately. We've been talking about it on the show for, you know, going back to almost 40 episodes now. It was a topic of conversation Everybody's talking on. about it, but who's doing it? That's a fascinating point. Like, it's a topic, it's a topic of conversation that gets brought up, but Indium seems to be a company that's already right. been in the techno right. technology world for, saying, going back 32 years. Why don't Indium get talked about in the same space as the nano stuff? Um... Well, we've been a nanotechnology material manufacturer for, mm -hmm. for several years, the, the first in upstate New York sure. for a long, long time. Um, why don't people talk about us in the community um, in regard to that? 
I think it's because primarily we don't have customers in this area. Sure. There's literally no one here who can hmm. buy nanotechnology that we manufacture. Right. So we don't spend too many resources promoting something that there's no customer in the entire region. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. That's why a lot of times the only times I ever see the Indium logos are on like guys' shirts, like my my buddy's mm-hmm. dad who has the T-shirt because yep. he works there. Yeah. Or at the Comets game, I see it all the time. Or right. back in the uh, back right. in the old day at the Blue Sox stadium, I remember seeing it on the right <laughs> on the home run fence. Right. Well, yeah. Had, if we had nanotechnology mm-hmm. consumers in, in this yeah. area, we'd be promoting it in mm-hmm. this area. Uh, I didn't know this about you, but you mentioned it earlier. Uh, you were involved in the Young Scholars program. I am involved in the yeah. Young Scholars program. I am on their advisory board. Mm. I'm on the uh, selection committee, mm. and I'm also a mentor to several of the students. Wonderful. I uh, my my mom was a teacher for forty five years wow. in the Utica School District, and uh, I so I have a wow. a deep seated oh, sort great. of. I she was. What grade did she teach? She taught first grade at wow. uh, at Conkling for a long time, and then she went to Columbus until she retired. But. Oh. Uh, she was she's a wonderful woman when it came to that. I used to she was a first grade teacher, which to me I used to go every now and then I'd go to her classroom and go visit her and I mm-hmm. you know and I the kids knew me as her son. I remember sitting in the classroom one day because she had to run to the copy machine. She said, Can you just sit in the room and, and, and watch the kids for a minute? Right. And the minute she walked out of the room, every kid's hand shot up. They're like, Can you rip this piece of paper out of the book for me? And I'm just like, I this is overwhelming to me. I, I can't even imagine how she's had the patient. Like it just it was too much. It's like sensory overload It's almost like you can never learn that. You are it or you're not Yeah, and, and she carries it over to her real life, too. She does have that sort of, like, that first-grade teacher mentality in her whole life. Yeah. Share, be nice, <laughs> play nice with your friends. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. My wife was a teaching assistant mm. in kindergarten and elementary grades mm. for uh, almost 20 years. Mm. It's uh, it's an underappreciated job, and I, you know, my, my mom wasn't hard up for money, but my parents were divorced, so she went mm. through some times when it wasn't always easy. Mm. And it makes me think, you know, she did such hard work, and I, I don't think teaching is a job that quite gets the respect it maybe once did. I don't know if it ever had a... I, I wouldn't use quite. I would say it certainly does not get uh, the respect it deserves. Um, I'm not knocking anybody, but oh, yeah. you can think of lots of professions that we pay a lot more... Yeah. To people. Yeah. Um, and they're not taking care of our kids, forming mm. our kids, forming the next generation of people that are going to lead our yeah. community the like level teachers of, do. Yeah, the level of, like, actual, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, the generational importance of having someone at that level teach you right, right from wrong and the basics of, you know, of... Right. How to a, define a, yourself? Be a as part a, of yeah, teaching that because kids learn that at home and that's learn true, that yeah, in their families and neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. But they're a part of that, and they're a kind of a bridge. They're almost a bridge between mm-hmm. the the familial setting and the institutional setting. Mm-hmm. They they connect us as we grow from what we what we know at home mm-hmm. to what we know out in the real world. Yeah. So it's it's a hell of a role. It's a very um, powerful powerful role. Much more important than uh, many other jobs that we pay more yeah. for. It, it, it's funny, as you know, as I was a kid, I was a big sports fan, and I still I still enjoy sports. But it's funny; it's sometimes hard to watch when you think about what's really going on when you're watching like a professional sporting event. Well, just remember, you know what I mean? like, a lot of people say, "Wow, why do these guys make so much money?" Well, that's because of you. Right. You buy the product you they buy advertise. The product, yeah. You put the money on the table. At that point, it's just a matter of how do they divide the money up on the right. table. Would you rather that the the hundreds of millions that go to the player just goes to the owner? Absolutely not. But then you wonder... So well, how would you divide that money up? See, that's the, that's the conundrum. There's no right answer. What it boils down to <laughs> yeah. is we're paying too much for something. Oh, yeah. 
and it's and it's all on us, so we can't really complain. And that's actually a broader issue too than I think just sports, because you are totally correct. I think about you know I hear people ask the question all the time, how does that guy make so much money? And it's you're right, not it's Derek Jeter's it's, fault that there's two hundred million dollars sitting you, on the table. If you if someone offers you a professional athlete and someone says, hey, you want two hundred million dollars to play baseball, um. Mm-hmm. Yes, please sign me up right now. Mm-hmm. Is it his fault that he no, got no, no. offered that contract? No, no, no. It's not his fault. It's an economic yeah. reality. Yeah. It just is. <sighs> it's a crazy world we live in. Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> let's uh, let's get into something else that I do have a little bit of uh, interest in as well. You said you've been playing music for a long time. You have two albums. You said. Yep, I've published two CDs as the Rick Short Band, mm-hmm. and I'm about to start work on a third CD. What do you uh, What do you play? I play guitar. Mm. Um, I write the songs. All the songs that I record are all original music. Awesome, wonderful. Yeah. And I'm wonderful. Try- what I'm trying to do is, is channel the classic rock genre, that that oh, style, nice. that that instrumentation, that attitude, mm. and that vibe. Um, we all know we're all familiar with the term oldies. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, what I'm trying to do is create newies. <laughs> I like it. Old vibe, but it's a new song. Well, you know, I think that's a fascinating, uh, fascinating thought as well. Because I grew up playing music. I played in bands for years with the guys, and uh, I got. You know, I was young, and when you're young, you play the type of music that's, you know, popular that you mm-hmm. like. But as I got older, you know, my stepdad used to listen to a lot of classic rock as a, mm-hmm. when I was a kid, and I would sort of, like, make fun of him, like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And now, as I get older, I listen to all these same songs, and it mm-hmm. does sort of transcend. Like, I, I used to make fun of him, like, who's this Elvis Costello you keep forcing right, me to listen right. to this? He performed this right here in Marcy, New York, by the way. Really? Yeah. Wow. At a tremendous... Um, venue called Four Acres. It mm. was really part of my formative uh, wow. late, late teen, early 20 years. A lot of famous people uh, performed there. Huh. I would love in, in the day, In their day. Oh, yeah, he was right here. Do, well, yeah, so I'll ask you this, then. This is a topic, a topic conversation we've talked about uh, pretty recently on the show. What's your thoughts right now on the way the local music scene is compared to what it was 20 years ago around here? Well, I would love to see two things. Um, Bands that could draw an audience that would attend. Mm, yeah, I think. Um, you, you can criticize every facet of yeah. the whole, or you can talk about every facet of the whole chain of events, but, mm. but what it really boils down to is um, the way I see it from the point of view of being a band leader and a songwriter and a performer is if I've got seven people in the room, I'm not doing a good enough job to draw more people, period. Mm. It's, I yeah. can't blame anybody. I'm not going to blame you, the venue owner. I'm not going to blame the weather. I'm not going to blame the. Kids these days don't get it, or old people don't mm-hmm. come out of the house. That's a bunch of excuse making. If, yeah. Quite literally, if Bruno Mars were to show up today, people would come on out the MBCC campus. Yeah. You'd have a problem. Oh yeah. Right. Big problem. Because he's good <laughs> enough to draw. Yeah. Right. On the other hand, I do believe that there are, unlike when I was a, a teenager or in my twenties, when we had almost no other options in life for entertainment besides three television yeah. stations or the lawnmower. Um, there are so many things for people to do. There's a lot of competition. Easily distracted society. So I don't blame people yeah. for saying, you know, I'd rather sit on the couch and watch 500 channels and then check out all sorts of stuff on the internet, on and on and on and on and on. I, I can understand how that consumes a person and even ultimately builds, uh, greatly affects the, a culture and even their own personalities. That's just reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a little disappointed that people allow themselves to go that way. I'd like people to say... I'd much rather be involved in real life, but I can't control that. I can just try to be a, a better and better um, attraction so that people right. want to come and see me. We used to, you know, we got caught up in that game when we were younger because we wanted to play. I was in a, I, w- I wouldn't call it a, I called it a punk band back then. I think we were just a pop band now in hindsight. But um, we wanted to write original music, and it was really 
hard for us to get booked anywhere around mm-hmm. here as right. young guys under the age of 23 who were writing original music because people didn't, like, you know, the McGill's crowd didn't want to hear that. Or, right. you know, so we would get, so when I was younger, we had all these small venues you could go to. You yes. could go to, uh, like, these church basements that were putting on shows. You can go right. to Virgo Bats downtown and go play a punk rock show, or you could go to, like, VFW halls and stuff. And a lot of those smaller venues aren't really here anymore. Electric Company was a great place for bands like yes. my, like yes. me growing up. Yep. and. Uh, I felt like it was a big loss, especially Captain Trips, too, for when me growing yep. up, it, I don't know how people felt about it at the time, but when I was in my formative band years, if I was playing at Trips, I felt like I actually could get people to come out. It felt mm-hmm. like a real show as opposed to something that was just like, well, we're playing in my buddy's basement tonight. So, I don't know. I, I thought, Well, you know, the experts say you've got to earn your way up to that level and beyond, so you've yeah. got to play the church basement and you've got to play the small little holes in oh, the yeah, wall. Yeah. And... Um, Quite frankly, if you're not selling that place out, you're probably not going to sell the bigger place out. That's a good point, too. So, it's again, it's on us. It's on the musician. It's on the band. We've got to be... We have to earn it. Yeah. Rick, this has been enlightening, actually. This is a fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Where can people uh, reach you if they want to hear more from you? Well, you can go to rickshort.com. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest way to start it all off. And you're just, in- just Google me, and uh, <laughs> you'll find... I'm not the, pro- the former professional baseball player... Or the University of Oklahoma agronomist. I will make I'm, sure. I'm neither of those two guys. Yeah, I have to make sure I don't yeah. reach out to them on Twitter now. Yeah. Rick, thank you so much for your My time. Pleasure. I really appreciate it, sir. It was a real pleasure. We'll be back in just a few moments, folks. again to uh to rick short um you know again i always say it and i, and I hate to repeat myself but i do it all the time it's True. A, it's <laughs> it's always really nice talking to people who i only peripherally have known and to really like get to a sense of what they're really about and he's uh he's a really 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 fascinating guy i think i said fascinating like 12 times in that interview with fascinating him. is a big word of yours you like fascinating you like establishment you like folks well I'll, I'll uh i'll <laughs> I'm gonna make a bingo card for the right, listeners i'll give you i'll give you reasons for, doom bingo. i'll give you reasons for all three of those by <laughs> yeah. the way okay um fascinating is because for some reason i find the word interesting to you be like to aggravating say. like the word interesting is a really lazy adjective uh, I feel like interesting is what you say when you know somebody's lying to you. They're like, oh, yeah. yeah, no, I didn't do that. You're like, oh, interesting, so, because... So a lot of times I will exchange fascinating for interesting because I think it gets across the point you're trying to get across better. Uh, establishment, I think, because it... I use that one a lot because it you can use it for a lot of it's different a catch-all. things. Rest, yeah, it's a catch-all. I know where um, folks comes from. You don't even have to say it. Yeah, I'm going to say it anyway. Folks comes from my... Like sheer force of will to not say use guys as an Italian guy. Hey, use guys. You can say Welcome. It. I was a little bit wrong, but now I can't believe I would have thought anything else. It's totally <laughs> hey, use guys. Use guys. Yeah, because the only that, that's the other option, right? Like, I, well, I get I get folks from from working at uh, being like working at a restaurant. Yeah, restaurant. Hey, and being a waiter, like approaching tables, doing different stuff like that, because you don't want to call a mixed group or a table of ladies like you don't want to call them you guys. Yeah. You guys, yeah. Like especially if it's you know you've got a couple like older couples there who you don't want to approach them that casually. You don't to call them you guys because they're not all guys. Some of them are girls. 
folks. And yeah. so I just say folks because that's kind of a catch-all term for the people. Yeah, folks is um, yeah, folks was a better option for me than being like, hey, you guys, welcome to Carmine's. Going to get you some meatballs, Google. See, I think that's on brand for Carmine's. Car- Carmine's, it was they were not happy with me about it. But uh, <laughs> they're like, are you from Texas? I'm like, I'm from New York, guys. Uh, Says the king of Carmine's. Um, so let's uh, so let's let's talk to Aaron for a second. Aaron, I say friends. Friends? As hi a catch-all friends. term? Yeah, because I go to, like, I'm a teacher, though, so that's You do different. say that. Yeah. Come on, hi, friend. Come on, friends, let's go. All right, friends, let's get this started. Most people don't want to admit being friends with me, so that's a tough or one. Or I call them party people. Hey, party people, let's do this. That's, <laughs> that's, a, little kid, that's a little kid's thing. And party the kids people! Think the, kids yeah. think it's the funniest thing. When I see me in the hallway, they're like, hey, party person. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> party person. I swear to you, that's my first grade thing. Uh, Aaron, so you wanted to update people about your uh, your sugar game that's going on here, right? Sugar game. It's like Hunger Games. The Hunger Games. This You're is very like the hungry Hunger for sugar. This is the Hunger Games. These are the real Hunger All Games. All right, so I sit here and I have to admit to you that I have not yet posted uh, my first Maiden Utica blog about this because I've been struggling. I've been struggling with, I read the entire book, I read the whole thing, and I decided that it's a load of crap. Whoa. Whoa. I stand corrected. Wow. So I've decided this is not this is not going to pan out for anybody because the more research I did and the more I looked into everyday eating, I spent this past like week and a half almost really looking at, or almost two weeks now, really looking at food, food prices, uh, ease of food, you know, ease of food, which ease is of a ter- access. yeah, ease mm. of access and ease of like stuff, like ease, general ease of food. Because when it comes right down to it, sugar is in everything: natural sugar, refined sugar, everything. This diet calls for no fruit, which to me is like a death sentence. I eat fruit more than I want to admit. So I, I looked at it. There's no way you, you can't eat crackers and peanut butter and bananas. You can't eat general things, which really leads you to eating like raw vegetables and air. So I've scaled back a smidge. I've kept some of the uh, same principles and ideas. And now we're pushing forward and we're going to do a, uh, we're going to change the plan a little bit, which I will be ready to talk about most likely next week. Look for the blog post. Hmm. I don't know. I, w- I don't want to say the the plan that we're working with. It's going to be essentially like a Weight Watchers program hmm. where, there, where there's points and where there's stuff of that caliber. Um, I'm probably just going to sign up for Weight Watchers. If people want to do it with me, that's the way we're going to do it. That way we can discuss smarter eating choices while you're considering the same amount of food. Well, I think that's you said something that you kind of hit on that was something I was thinking of when you were talking about the more research you did into sugar, it doesn't make sense. Like you have to cut out stuff like fruit. Which seems to go against things you know, like I'm eating apples. How can that be bad? And I think it just you know reinforces the the point that there's not a shortcut. There's not a magic diet. All you mm-hmm. can do is something like you know so with something like Weight Watchers. You go, you look at everything you eat, you count it, you keep track of it, and you hold yourself accountable for it. It's an accountability program. The old-fashioned way is the only way. But doing it in an accountability program instead of trying to come up with like, oh, this is the diet, this is the path. It's yeah. Like, no, let's teach you how to be a little bit more disciplined about what you're going to eat a little because more, that's like, really what it comes down to. The word that you said, accountable, is, is exactly the term that I want to use for this because it's just not a realistic thing and I have a bunch of friends, teacher friends that are doing Weight Watchers now that spring has sprung with the snow. Uh, summer is rapidly approaching. Spring break is in a couple weeks and teacher friends of mine have started Weight Watchers and so I, I've learned like Cadbury eggs. If you get 30 points, Ugh. a Cadbury egg is 8 points. So you know that like that's not going to be worth it. A glass of wine is 5 points. It's totally worth it. Right. So you can have two glasses of wine or one Cadbury egg. See, so it's more about balance. It's more about mm. information and knowledge. 
I think that processed foods are not the way to go. I think that the sugar diet, I was considering it more of like a processed foods sort of thing. But now that I look at it, it's like I can't imagine not having half and half in my coffee. And they yeah. deem that a processed food. Yeah. And I cannot imagine having uh, crackers and soup, you know, stuff like that. It's just, it's not going to pan out. So expect a blog post made in Utica this week uh, coming up before Thursday. Uh, yeah, before Thursday, probably tomorrow. And we can talk about it. Rejoin the program with me. Rejoin the movement. It's going to be the uh, Hunger Games. <laughs> I've referred to it now as the Hunger Games. The Uticast Hunger Games. Aaron Higgins Hunger, Hunger Games. I the, love new, it. the new shoe <laughs> sponsored Hunger um, Games. Join me. Uh, you know, I, uh, I've been, I wouldn't go as far as to say uh, hashtag blessed because I don't like that everyone uses that phrase all the time. Hashtag now. blessed. Hashtag blessed. Uh, but... I have a pretty good metabolism for a guy who doesn't particularly take great care of himself in terms of what I eat and what I like. You know, I, I just never have. Uh, that being said, there are a lot of things. I am pretty conscience, conscious about my weight and physique uh, enough, whatever it is. Like, I'm not trying to be a muscle dude and workout kind of guy, but I'm running the Boilermaker this year. Like, I have to be in somewhat kind of shape. When it comes to, like, food stuffs, I've always, this is just a trick that I've always learned. It isn't like a diet or anything. Yeah. Try and keep food in your house that you have to prepare for yourself if you want to eat it instead of food that's ready to be eaten on the spot. That's, right? a, really, that's a very good tip because a lot of food that's eaten on the spot is overwhelmingly processed. A lot of that is, is really not good for you. Uh, I found that going, you know, being gluten-free, which is when I put on weight, I yeah. was re painfully thin my whole life. And then when I went gluten-free is when I popped down the LBs. A lot of the food that I... <laughs> Popped down the LBs. Yeah. It's very hip way of saying It was like Aaron. 20 whole pounds, guys. So <laughs> it was a lot of weight. I'm very fat now. <laughs> so listen, shut up. Sorry. So my puffy jacket is very tight. So um, it's None a, of these things are true. None of this it's is a, true. It's a medium. Okay, so... Um, I don't know. Where was it? Oh, so... Nobody knows. I don't know. So I found that a lot of that stuff was processed. And mm. like you said before, things you have to prepare, things you have to utilize, things that come out of a fridge usually are a pretty good term. When you go grocery shopping, it's like, this is what I want to do now, though. This is where this program yeah. is going, is to talk about ways that you can... The tricks that you need to learn. Stay on the exterior, like the perimeter of a grocery store. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. S stupid little things that you can utilize in your everyday to make yourself feel better and feel healthier without really pushing it to the extremes. And for me, it's very simply, I like to eat late at night. So yeah. if I go into the kitchen and there's a bag of chips, I'm going to eat it. If yeah. there's not, the only other prep thing in the house, maybe what, like an apple or something, like a bagel, okay, probably still not good for you at 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock, but I'd rather eat a bagel than a whole bag of oh, it's potato chips into my fat mouth, which I would do. It's like, it, it'll happen if they're here. I have a cup right? of coffee in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm having a cup of coffee right now. Exactly. Um... All right, so let's move Italians. on. Italians. <laughs> hey, let's move on to uh, let's move on to something else. Uh, all right, I'm ready to admit it. Uh, my Liverpool soccer team is done for the year. Uh, the Knicks are terrible. Um, it looks like hockey season's going on still, right? Is know. that a thing? Yes, because it normally ends when basketball ends. Uh, However, WrestleMania was last night, so that's the end. I'm finally ready to admit it's baseball season, guys. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah, the Mets. Uh, they played yesterday and they lost, but it was a glorious loss. <laughs> um, so, and I got to tell you, and this is a this is like a ten percent problem. The only really, I I've been saying for a long time in the show that I'm not a huge fan of baseball anymore. I don't really like it the way I once liked it. That being said, 
I have been the commissioner of a fantasy baseball league <gasps> for almost nine years, and we did our fantasy baseball draft a couple nights ago, and now I'm back in, right? Like, now, because of fantasy baseball, I'm sucked in, which is an interesting way to consume sports in this world. I still don't get fantasy things. Uh, like, it's fun to gamble. Real, it's a lot. The, I don't do it either. It seems like a lot. But the games are a fantasy? Like, what's the... Is this, like, Dungeons & Dragons for sports nerds? So you're basically saying, is this real life, or is this just fantasy? Uh, I'm, look, I'm caught in a landslide, Whoa. guys. Uh, it's 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 gambling. It, it's gambling for sure, right? Uh, the same way that anything else is gambling, except much like uh, a degenerate poker player will tell you, like, it's not gambling. I'm, I, I know the system. Most oh. professional, like, like fantasy people will be like, oh, no, it's not gambling. I, my team is amazing. I know how to read the stats as I'm if sorry, no one else. Are professional fantasy people? Oh, dude. Are there professional, like, fantasy wizards? Yeah, dude, those fan draft and uh, uh, oh. yeah, fan duel and DraftKings people are just okay, making yeah. money. Whatever. Uh, so make me really uncomfortable. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for baseball season? Oh, I'm like a 48. Are the Mets I, didn't, I barely slept Saturday night because the Mets are playing Sunday. I was so psyched. I was super jazzed. I knew we were going to lose because of all the hype that was going up. Uh, we played the Royals, which, by the way, was the first time. World Series rematch. That was a World Series rematch. And I learned mm -hmm. on Saturday that that was planned prior to the World Series. So it was just sheer luck that that happened. Well. Isn't that cool? <laughs> it is kind of cool. It's so cool. And, uh. I want to say uh, I read a little bit of information about baseball today. It seems like most of the uh, most of the pundits like your Mets this year. They got your Mets going all the way to the NLCS. So why yeah, don't you? Yeah, uh... because they are um, wildly on the wagon now, man. They just jumped right <laughs> on that wild wagon with me. It's funny as a Yankee fan, I'm sort of now at a weird place where I have to sort of admit that the Mets are legitimately better than the Yankees in almost every way. And it's arguably kind of... <gasps> where are the Mets not are better than the Yankees. Are you just saying that because it's my birthday? In the bullpen, maybe. Excuse? Bullpen's probably the only place. Excuse? Well, that we're not better than you? Our back-end bullpen is is tight. Dude, first and foremost, Bartolo Colon. Right, Bartolo. there you go. See, we're done <laughs> you, know, you, you, you made an <laughs> argument for us. Matt Harvey, Colon, DeGrom. Those are starters. Thor. Those are starting pitchers. Yeah, but then you look at our back-end. We have Colon is in the back. He can go to the middle. You just keep saying Bartolo Colon <laughs> over and over. It I doesn't do didn't, anything. Didn't one of your closers... Familia? Didn't he just get... Just saying Spanish. Oh, Mejia. <laughs> Henry Mejia got busted. He got busted Keys for steroids. Quinceañera. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Cinco de Cuatro. He's a great pitcher. Baja Blast. <laughs> Yo, I can go for a Baja Blast. Uh, cool range. No, no. Um, what? Um, listen, no. Mejia got busted for the third time using uh, performance-enhancing drugs. It's your own fault, man. Heads, if you will. Heads. And uh, got kicked out of baseball for life and uh, came back to sue claiming that it was not, like, he's coming back to Sue saying all this ridiculous stuff. I, it wasn't me. I, I was on a medication. I never did performance-enhancing drugs. Like, dude, please. You couldn't pitch to save your life. Of course, you needed something to help you out. I never liked him. But do you know who we do have in the back-end bullpen? Who do you have in the bullpen? Bartolo Colon. Uh, Bartolo <laughs> Bar Colon. Hansel Robles, who, mark my words, Hansel Robles is going to come out and be popping this year. He started last year. He was unbelievable for us. He came out during one of the World Series games. The World Series, uh, the uh, the uh, playoff game, playoff. What's it called? The World Series. No, before that, when the you have playoffs. Like, is it NLCS? called the playoffs? Yeah, the NLCS. I don't care. When that dude that I hate, whose name I can't think of right now, slid into second base and knocked the feet out from under from Rubber Ruben Tejada. What's his name? Just thorough analysis. Uh, <laughs> is this the, the guy for the Royals? No, he plays you... for some other team. 
Cubs. Play, no, he played for something else. Oh, God. Cardinals. I don't care. Not the point. I hate him. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> and the next... We Off had to, the rails. <laughs> and it was Bartolo Colon who was pitching. Long story oh. short, Hansel Robles came in because Bartolo was stinking. So they, they got rid of Bartolo and Hansel Robles came in and he hit the next dude with a pitch and went like this. Which you can't see me right now, but I'm making a real defiant, like, come at me, bro, face. And she's got her arms up in a W. Like, it's very what? good. He's the coolest dude. He throws pitches at people's heads because he, like, he he's angry about the way they treat his team. Oh my maybe, god, it's amazing. Maybe cutting the sugar out is the move. <laughs> I haven't had any all day. I haven't had any all day. You're um, drinking Sam's coffee with all delicious. that sugary cream it's in it. It's got a ton of it, actually. <laughs> There's no cream in it. It's coffee, mate. Um, it's the same. So well, uh, technically, is there is no cream in it. Bef- yes. Before we move on to our next topic, why don't you make a prediction for what's going to happen for your New York Metropolitans this year? We're going to win the World Series this year. It's a known fact in statistic land, in a fantasy statistic land that I'm now running, that the uh, second-place team has a better shot of winning the World Series the year after. And I think it's happened a handful of times. So I'm going with the fact that we're going to win the World Series. Well, I'm glad you're not prone to hyperbole. Um, no, it's it stunk a lot watching the Royals lift the banners and stuff yesterday. Mm. It was a really mm-hmm. tough move. We, we were really classy. They announced us as the... You know, the NLCS champs and the whole shebang. I still have all my t-shirts that say we're going to the World Series. So, like, I got to reuse those. They were really expensive. Mm. So, like, it's a going to be a good day for us. It's going to be a good season. We didn't start off strong, but we made a good showing. We didn't have quite the analysis that she did, Kev. But what are your predictions for our sorry, beloved New York baseball. Yankees? Yanks in six. <laughs> oh, Sam. Your boy's retiring. How do you guys feel about that? Who? Our boy Alex? Alex is retiring. In two years. In this year. Look, it's like saying I'm retiring someday. I'm retiring like, in 35 years. Look, you know, Alex can take as much time as he wants because there's no more natural sight in baseball than watching that beautiful swing hit a dinger out of Yankee Stadium. With oh, no... you make me want to throw up in your... <laughs> into, my, into my coffee? Into your yeah, known thanks. creamer coffee. <laughs> All right, let's, let's move on. Oh, um, that, remind, that reminds me. That reminds me. We're going to the Hall of Fame this year. Yes, 100%. 100% because who's going? Sam, can I tell you you how many years in a row Aaron Higgins has been (laughs) telling me personally in our personal lives here that that we're going to the Hall of Fame every year. She's like, we got to go see this person. No, we're really going to do it this year because this guy's in. I just nod and I'm like, that sounds great. And every year Uh, I go with my dad. Let's just make the plans. Yeah. (laughs) Just about. No, but we're going this year. We're going to go for the whole weekend because it's Mike Piazza. And my like sister, that dude was my yeah. I'm gonna my stay sister with lives in Cooper. Yeah, I know. I've already arranged staying with her. Um, <laughs> I already called her. Uh, it's gonna be the biggest thing. The Seven Line organization is going. They're gonna camp out. It's which is a Mets thing. You guys don't get it. But I'm so jazzed. That kid was my like Mike Piazza was my hero. I was a catcher in softball when I was little because Mike Piazza was a catcher. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. You know I'm. I'm blown away. We I had another segment to talk about, nope, and we're no very time. We're, we're just we're just gonna we're gonna have to punt. I think we're gonna have to punt on. Well, no, here's my we here's my concern. Here's my concern. Though. Too much time. Too much time. Here's my concern. Is I reached out just now before we did the podcast, right, and wrote, "Hey, folks, what albums can you listen to front to back? Send us your suggestions before we finish taping." Now, a lot of times when I send requests out to people for mailbag questions or things like that. We don't get a flood of responses. No, I you got, get silence. It's like Shea Stadium in October. You just hear nothing. Hi-oh. First off, Shea I got, Stadium hasn't been around for years. I got more responses in the last 
45 minutes for this segment of our front to back albums than I can even respond to right now. And I don't want to jam five minutes of segment in. Would you like to talk about baseball some more? No, I think we should push this back to next week. But I really want to shout out to all the people who just sent us, um, who sent us uh, suggestions. They're keep all going. phenomenal. Yeah, They're all going, great. Guys. A lot of albums I didn't expect. Um, we are going to push this again one more week. I hate to do it, but I don't want to push unless, this all into five minutes. Unless Aaron's not. We will push this to the next one that Aaron Yeah, the at. next show yeah, that you're I'll here. Be, uh, I'll be here next week. I'll be here next week, give or take. Don't right. you? You're seven days out. Just no chance. Dude, I'm you seven won't days know out. Well, then. it's hard because it, it's now it's coming up to report card time and meetings and parents. and. She's rah, like rah, Dom Toretto. She lives her life a quarter mile at a time. Mm. <laughs> I live my life a quarter mm. mile at a time. Mm. I'm not sure what any of those words mean. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, again, want to thank Rick Short for giving us his time today. He was, uh, as I mentioned, fascinating. A uh, great guy. You can check him out at rickshort21 on Twitter or at his website, rickshort.com. Uh, uh, thanks again, Aaron Higgins. Thanks for coming out in the snow. Oh, I hate this It's snow. the worst. Kevin Sullivan. Woo-hoo! Sally, Sally. Uh, and I am Sam Bamalaro. Folks, we will see you next week. Check for us on Sunday, 92.7 to drive at 6.30 in the morning. Yikes. Woo! Thank you.